Welcome to No Bounces, No Goals, episode four. Let me do that again. Welcome well, to No Bounces. That was shitter than one pound fish. Something I'll do, Christian. Yeah, like your hostage, like, where are you now? In Beirut. Oh, fine. You want me to do my, like, uh, Bruce Forsyth? Welcome to No Bounces, No Goals, aka okay, Nang. Stop doing that, stop doing that Abel. Okay. Selling some shit out, looting market. <laughs> Screw it. No appearances, no goals. Nang, episode four. Let's get this rolling. <laughs> Joining me is Elmo and Mac. Guys, how's it going? Afternoon. Yeah, good, good. I just want to go on record and say our introductions are like shit. We should get some professional help. I thought my one was all right, to be honest with you, last week. Actually, to be fair, yeah, your one was all right. Generally, the standard's been terrible. Um, but people don't <laughs> tune in to listen to the uh, introductions. So um, that's a saving grace. Yusuf, so weekend games, Manchester Derby. What a shit game. <laughs> Um, I want to afford the Manchester derby the, the same courtesy it afforded me during that 90 minutes by not Which talking is... about it. It it was it was a nothing match. It was a husk of a match. I can't believe I watched the first half and I went back for the second half. It, it was just, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. There's some good nil-nils. This wasn't one of them. This was, I think, <laughs> literally the worst nil nil I've ever seen. You know what it reminds me? You know, when I think about that, yeah, it makes me think about like, it's kind of sad. You know, when you see like two boxers and they're like hitting their mid 40s and like over the hill and just like trying to get their last payday. Hang on, didn't you, was it Mike Tyson versus like. Um, yeah, but that was, that was more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but it's oh, the same thing. Two. Yeah, didn't didn't. No, but that like, was the exhibition, though. It was like it was like Mike Tyson when he's fighting like Julius Francis, and just like, what are you doing? <laughs> and at that time, Mike Tyson when he lost to like any kind of journeyman, he was just like, you know what? Like, I can't disrespect the sport of boxing anymore. I have to retire. It was like that kind of levels, I guess. Nah, this was literally two guys outside of a pub on a Friday night, just just swinging and missing at each other. <laughs> It's just, <laughs> it's just a horrid yeah, match. Are you guys not sort of going over the top of it? Like, Solskjaer is coming off the back of a really nasty result. He needed to be solid. He needed to not get turned over. And he managed to get a clean sheet. Is that not something to... <laughs> no, because it, you know, it's, it's, it's annoying me now. Man United are annoying me because they're perpetually in existential crisis mode. It's like they're stuck in, in an Escher painting. Right, so who, who do we pin the blame on? Uh, Pep. Cause oh, he, really? Yeah, he done his sort of... You know, I think Pep does every like every season where he goes away and he tries to play, like, counter-attack. You know, against Liverpool where he put, like, Gundogan on the wing in the Champions League or last season against Lyon where he tries to, like, nullify the counter-attack of the other team. And it just messes up the whole equilibrium of Pep's team. 
I think mm. if if he was braver, if he realised that May Knight had not won a game, well, only won one match at Old Trafford, he just went show it for the juggler. But instead, he I think he set his team out, and the instructions were to be tepid. And... But does he ever go for the juggler unless it's against the smaller teams? Or am I being unfair? No, I think he does. You know, Pep's his Pep's managerial history is littered with his team battering just everyone or anyone, regardless who they are. But I think there's some matches where he he either overthinks stuff or mm. he sort of gets a bit shook. And I think yeah, but what you just said there is a contradiction. What you just said there is a contradiction. I think everything I say is a contradiction. Yeah, well, but I, I agree with that. Don't you, what do you think, Matt? Contradiction in what sense? Like, all of Pep's teams go out and batter people other teams, but then there are games in which he overthinks it or he shits himself. Like, I, don't think, like, I don't think that's contradictory because it, most of the time Guardiola's teams, he, they go out to bat teams in the sense that like basically the retention of possession are just breaking down. Basically like they just weigh you down until they break you down. That's his way of battering teams. But then occasionally there are some games when Pep goes or mad scientists and he yeah. starts to overthink it. But that's not that's not really like normally he relies on his like plan A, which is basically like where you down possession. Because Man City are not that good in possession now. He's probably yeah. doing a bit more of the overthinking where he like starts to go on mad scientist and just tries to throw him, like everything in the in the cauldron to try and like work something up. Yeah. But I think I think the sort of the nuanced point that I was sort of hinting at was that's more than occasional though. And it's not just something that's coincidental with the decline in, in their team. I don't know. I would like, agree with that. I, I don't think know. it's more occasion. I think it is occasional normally. Like, for example, like those games against Spurs in the Champions League or whatever. Like, there's games yeah. where he does it. It's like there's a couple of games every season where, I do, where he does it where I might be magnified in terms of the impact. But I don't yeah. think it's a regular thing. Yeah, it's not. No, I agree with Mac. It's not a regular thing. Like, last season, the one the one game you could uh, point your fingers at was the Leon match, where even De Bruyne was like, why are we playing defensive against yeah. Leon? Yeah, the season before that, it was a yeah. Liverpool match, uh, yeah. a Champions League quarterfinal. He done yeah. the same thing. But, it, but when I mean, it's so those games, are, you don't get those big games every single week, right? They come once a year, twice yeah. a year, a couple times a year, and that's what I mean about it being a bit more than occasional. It seems like whenever there's a big game, yeah, he doesn't trust this plan A anymore. And I think there was evidence even of that at Bayern where he sort of tinkers around a bit too much in the big games. They play loads of big games where they don't do that. It's just that it's magnified because the games that we do it are games like in the Champions League or a game that they expected to win and something doesn't go wrong. But I don't think because they're like, maybe the impact is magnified because of the games they does it in. That means it's like more than a like regular, like I think because they play like, I don't know, you might play 10 big games a season. If he does it in two of those games, I don't think you can say that something happens regularly. I'm think I'm, I'm to be honest. I'm more saying that because of the Champions League games, which would be the biggest set of games. Because historically, they've either run away with the league, right, or you know, well, yeah, they've run away with the league, and up until the last two years, where there's been a bit more of a challenge, if you see what I mean. So it seems like what you're saying, Yusuf, is that it's it's Pep's fault for not being more ambitious. Is there not nothing to credit Solskjaer with here? No, because I I watched that match, and I have to reiterate that was I think one of the worst matches I've seen in about ten years. Um, 
But again, go back to the point, it being Pep's fault because his opposition is Solskjaer. Pep Guardiola should have went out there and battered Solskjaer into oblivion. Yeah. Is there, is there um I mean I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Is there a bigger like kind of issue here in terms of like you know when we think about like the biggest games in like the Premier League anyway, and traditionally you always think about them being KGFs. Yeah. And yeah. the last like I don't know, maybe eight to ten years, there's been three falls where like teams can just get battered and everyone's just really open. Do you think we're going back to error again of like what teams between the big games between the big teams are like tight? And KG. Yeah, yeah. But like, for example, uh, Liverpool, when Liverpool played City, it wasn't tight. It wasn't KG. It ended up being 1-1. Then Man United, I don't know if this, I'm not a Man United fan or a City fan, but it just feels like it wasn't even a big game. I don't know if that's as an outsider. Do you know what I mean? Maybe like, because there was, that... no, there was no fans or any sort of walkers, atmosphere, or walkers or any atmosphere at Old Trafford. It's sort of, you know, it watered down the occasion. Do you think do you think it's a case that it's interesting to us about Malays? Like, do you guys think like it's a case now where like the players are starting to tune out Pep? Like he's a kind of manager that seemed to have kind of like a shelf life in terms of him being able to get his ideas through. I mean mm. I, maybe it's a case of like I don't know if like they just haven't got the players this year and want to kind of reload and get kind of like fresh blood will be better. But do you think there's a thing about like maybe the players are starting to tune him out and they kind of need a different voice? Yeah, Definitely. a couple of players look burnt out, don't you think? Like, you get the same conversations, or I mean, we don't know, but it just seems from the sidelines with Mendy and and Walker and, and like, I, I, yeah, he's he is really intense, a bit like Klopp. Do you know what I mean? Like, it must be a bit sort of tiring. Speaking of Malays, let's um, talk about some of the other teams that played in Europe. Um, start off with... The Chelsea game. See, I've seen a lot of people talk about this game, and they're trying to pimp, like trying to make a bigger deal of this game. I just think Chelsea, sense? you know, it looks. I know I'm going to contradict myself because I love contradict myself and talk about Lampard and how mm. I'm not his biggest fan, but a lot of people point the finger at Lampard saying he got his tactics wrong. He should have done this, should have done that. I just think they just got beaten by a good Everton team. And that was it. Mm. You know, Everton on a day are a good team. And at Goodison Park, with fans, with, you know, Calvert-Lewin running the line like he does, yeah, they're a good team. And um, they didn't disgrace themselves. It was, I think they hit the bar or the post a couple of times. You know, so there was, yeah. you know, there was, there was literally inches from getting a point. But yeah, it's just, they just got beat. That's it. But then move on. It's a second defeat of the season. Yeah. The thing is, apart from that mistake, Everton didn't really sort of do much or threaten much. Ironically, they had both their fullbacks missing. So they had to play almost four centre backs across the back line, which mm-hmm. you thought, which actually worked out well for them. But I, I think it's a combination of them just, not having a great day, plus uh, fans being in the stadium to really kind of G up yeah. Everton and maybe have an effect. And actually, there's another thing that I was thinking about. I actually don't think, maybe apart from Pulisic, Chelsea have, like, offensively much big game players, apart from, say, Pulisic and Giroud. Because 
it might be I might be being a bit unfair here, um, but I don't think Mount's a big game player. I don't think Abraham's do a big game. What do, what do you mean by big game player? Like literally, that will just drag the team, and and fight. Yeah, like I've seen Werner a couple or Werner a couple of times in the big games where he's just kind of almost gone a bit missing. It's like. Like he's just not. It's it's. I hate when I hate to use the Graham Stunes type sort of talk, but it's actually true sometimes. You see what I mean, like, and you can actually see it in it. Giroud fighting for the ball, trying to do things. Werner gets stopped a couple of times, and it's almost like he's reluctant to try stuff. Same thing with um, Havertz, um, and so. Like again, they just kind of went missing. I wouldn't define it as they're missing big game players. I think they're missing. Particularly Pulisic, because Pulisic does one thing better than most players in the league. He's his direct running with the ball into the box. Mm. The others don't have that. Um, Hudson Odoi does it on the other side, but he goes outside. Pulisic oh. does it inside. And, you know, players like Werner, like Havertz, they're like highly technical players that, that need almost all the conditions to be perfect for them to operate. Whilst Pulisic would just get the ball. And it's all that Eden has on desk, just drive into the box. I yeah, think but Werner's were... direct as well. It's just not, that he's, he's not in he's a way, like, not in a, a way. But he's, he's not in a, but he's not direct in a way Pulisic is. Pulisic would have no qualms just picking up the ball like 25 yards from, from goal and just trying to get into the box. See, I don't know. I'm always a bit like wary of like labelling players, like not big game players and that kind of stuff. It's because like, Stuff like that's not really quantifiable. So yeah. it's like, it's like mad, like in terms of like never scored in like 20 finals or something. Then like, fair enough, you have to accept it. But I do what you mean, I get what you mean in terms of like, there are players like in terms of like, when you're guy, when you say like Werner's always so direct here, yeah, but he's not doing what Pulisic is doing here. Yeah. There is a thing about players having a certain type of personality and like the kind of players who always want to put their stamp on every game. Mm. And I get what you mean in terms of like, I, mean, I don't really know. I don't watch them enough to really comment. But I could see how a guy like Werner might not necessarily have that kind of like. It's almost like a forceful personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the but the ironic thing though, Mac, is what what you're saying. Yeah, mm. Werner's been hated in, in Germany. Yeah, for a very yeah. long. Like he doesn't give a damn. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like you'd thought he's got the no nonsense type personality, but it's not really kind of shining through. But no nonsense. When you say he doesn't give a damn, do you mean in a non-footballing sense or in a footballing sense? Because obviously that's not necessarily the same thing. Like, like, the thing is, yeah, as you say, I'll give you an example. Yeah, there's these two twins in the NBA. Yeah, like the Morris twins. Yeah, they are like some proper golly road man players from Philly, isn't it? Like two mm. identical twin brothers, isn't it? And they're mm. proper like gutter man, isn't it? Like they men even mm. had a case not that long ago. They, well, they mashed up some man that done something to their mom, isn't it? I think we'll move to it with straps and that. But like mm. in the in the games, yeah. Like there was a game like recently, like in the bubble, like game seven mm. or like basically like game seven, like a playoff game. Mm. And like Marcus Morris, basically like a lot of the basketball guys are like, this guy does not want the ball at all. Do you get mm. what I mean? Like he's mm. basically cowering away from this responsibility. Mm. And you see what I mean? In terms of the difference between like, yeah, you might be like a little nonsense to go off the football pitch, but there's a mm. difference between like in terms of like on the pitch, that player mm. who thrives under that pressure. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's interesting you say that. Like, I don't think 
Werner actually cowers from the ball. Yeah. Like, remember, he led the line against Bayern for, you know, a good number of years. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where they were actually competing with them. He was, like, he was doing his thing. And he was at a club. Like, he left there. They hated him. He mm. went to Leipzig. Everybody hates Leipzig. Yeah. Bayern tried to um, tempt him. He refused it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's got a strong personality, but it's just, it's just not happening at Chelsea. And I don't know, like, why. Maybe he's, he's sometimes he's playing in the centre, sometimes he's playing on the left. Some like it could just be like it's a new country, new culture. He needs to adapt, all sorts of stuff. And I I don't really know to to what extent Lampard's a good man manager as well. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Like Werner might actually just need that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like they're lacking that. If I'm being honest. Um, but, also, can I just pick another point as well? Yeah. Do you think, like, in terms of, like, at the moment, yeah, everyone's kind of, like, really reactionary when everything happens? So it's like Chelsea on a really good run. Lampard's the world's greatest manager. Chelsea lose yeah. again. Lampard got his tactics wrong. Is it like, isn't it just a bit like, all right, they lost the game? It's kind yeah. of like, why is it always these kind of, like, sweeping statements about the yeah. manager's, like, acumen just because, like, they win or lose a game? Like? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's a bit, like, floozy, if you see what I mean. Like, they're just... The, the, the opinions change like I still think he's doing a good job like and he's playing a good sort of he's he, he plays a good style and actually when you look at it I had no idea about how good the keeper was but he's come in and done a good job and then you look at their back four Thiago Silva Zuma Chilwell and James like to me that's the be- best back four in the league that's, yeah that's a good even if you had Van Dijk and Gomez in there yeah mm. in the Liverpool one like it'd still be a toss-up do you see what I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but, but but you're right, people are too kind of, you know, one minute it's going to be Liverpool, the next minute it's going to be Chelsea, the next minute there's a crisis here, like, but it just, that might be because the season is so, um, or the league is so sort of tight. Yeah, there's like no nuance, it's just wild extremes. But mm. don't you think that's because there's literally a game every three days? Every three days, there's Good a football point. match, and then <laughs> that football match has a direct correlation of what's going on like, because uh, right now, Chelsea are, third, are fifth, you know, and then if they win a match, they're top of the league. If Arsenal win a match, if it's been the optimal <laughs> word, we win a match, we end up in like 10th. We lose a match, being relegation zone. It's that sort of, because there's so much football, there's no time for anyone to breathe. Yeah, also, but do you think point. that's, that is a good point, but then also, do you not think it's like, also part of like a concerted effort to kind of like, generate content because like basically no one wants to hear like nuanced like takes of people who are well informed everyone just kind of wants to kind of like clickbait or do you have any hot take culture hang on here's a question oh what are we are we the hot take culture or are we the nuanced uh debate somewhere in between Where? can we just like be nuanced bait i'm trying, uh, to, be like, <laughs> I'm trying to be like look, cash money i'm not gonna be a hot boy <laughs> Yusuf, I'm going to have to ask you the question. Burnley Arsenal. Like, what specifically do you want to talk about and don't say nothing? Nope. Yeah, given that we're doing nuance. Nope. I am forgoing nuance. I'm just going to say nope. Nope to Arsenal. Nope to Arteta. Nope to Shaka. Nope to El Neddy punching a player and then falling down on the ground with a hole in his face. Nope to Aubameyang. 
scoring his first goal at Emirates all season. Um, just, just, just nope. Okay. No. Some of them are not even sort of worth discussing in, in, in any detail, like Shaka and El Nenny um, and stuff like that. But I think the Aubameyang and the Arteta one are kind of worth picking up because I watched um, a good chunk of that match. And actually, I kind of agree with Arteta. You guys were dominating, just not sort of converting until, and it just looked like the, the, the tide had changed a bit after descending off. I wouldn't say dominating. We created chance however descending off did come in the exact wrong moment because you were I think there was like 25 minutes to go and I you know Arsenal you would have thought they would have grown into the game and some scored a scruffy winner in the 90th minute or something like that but then Jack, Jack get sent off didn't help um but with Arteta um I was reading stuff Today and all the stuff that's come out in the week, the last couple of days about it, how there is a massive split in the dressing room at Arsenal, okay. where like players like Socrates and Ozil have massive sway, and of course those guys aren't in the Premier League squad, in, aren't in the Europa League squad. They've been frozen out, so they're sort wait, of... wait, 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 wait. You're not blaming Ozil and Socrates for this? No, you? no, no, no. I'm, I'm just just uh, making trying to make a wider point. Yeah. Okay. Remember okay. nuance. So yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's all this stuff supposedly happening in the dressing room. There's mm-hmm. um all these dressing room leaks. You know, I've you've heard about Sabalos versus uh, Louise, you heard mm-hmm. about how Pepe's unhappy, you've seen the stuff with William Saliber and uh Gwenduzi on Twitter. You see yeah, all yeah, this, yeah. yeah, all this stuff coming out. And shouldn't a manager just put his foot down and be like, "Oi, this stops now." Can I just ask you a question on that? Because Matt made a, a couple of points about this, and it's to do with Arteta's um, sort of personality or style, and him sort of being a—he uh, didn't say this exactly—but an overbearing control freak. Like, <laughs> if you put so much pressure and you kind of are so overbearing, you end up losing control, right? And he doesn't, with you know, he doesn't have that much experience, really. Do you think that's what's led to that? Um, yes, but also, I honestly believe um, he's tried to get rid of a bunch of players as well um, that are still there, and they all, you know, they're all just you know spitting the dummy out. So obviously they're gonna tell the rest of the players, don't listen to what he's saying, don't you know, he he could be he can't could believe be, that. Seriously, like, these these factions happen, man. And as overbearing as he is, if no one's listening to him, if no one's that because to him, he's overbearing. Yeah? Mac, do you buy any of this that like there are whispers in certain ears and, and that's leading to sort of what we're seeing now? Um I could imagine that there are players that probably hold a bit of power. Well, not even just necessarily that. You can just see certain things and people might be like, that's not really right how certain people are being treated. Like, I want to see Ozil's situation and be like, hmm, that's not really right how he's treating him. But then with mm. his overbearing personality, I think like sometimes it's kind of like you can lose respect. Do you know yeah. what I mean? When you're too, when you're too authoritarian, too dictatorial, yeah. sometimes people just have enough and just be like, you know what, this guy's a fool. I don't want to listen to him. Do you, get what Do you mean? not think you have to earn that right, though, to be that way 
you do have to find what you do have to earn that right. But also it's kind of like, it's almost like you can't give all stick and no carrot. You get mm. what I mean? And that's what mm. it seems to be about. And mm. just like, it just seems that like after a while, people had enough of that. And just like, you know, it's almost like, almost to a certain extent, it's like Pep, how people say about Pep, but then Pep's mm. got the trophies to trophies to back it up. And or he gives like carrots. Yeah, exactly. And Mourinho. But like, he's like, he's Mourinho, a combination of Mourinho or Pep, like, with no carrot and no success. Mm. And even Mourinho recently has been given carrots. Or he's, you know, well, as you said, it, you might be working with a different sort of set of type of personalities that means that he can sort of take it as a, a bit further. Like, for example, Ndombele, yeah, he mm. managed to turn some of that around and um, uh, Bergwijn and like other stuff. But anyway, going back to Arteta Yusuf, so like yes. this could be a learning curve for him. But what about the whole playing Aubameyang? not in the most optimal position point. Are you still like adamant that the left is where he should be? This is such a weird question because mm. if you put um, Aubameyang as number nine, mm. um, what Arteta does, he asked his number nine to drop back. So yesterday, and ever since Lacazette has been playing number nine this season, he has dropped back literally into deep midfield, picking up the ball from the centre-back. Mm. Yeah, that is what Arteta wants his centre back, his uh, his centre forward to do. Imagine Aubameyang doing that now. You could play Aubameyang on the left, you play him on the right, you play him up top, but he's he's going to be instructed to do a specific job that Arteta tells him to do. So if you play his number nine, you're going to see Aubameyang dropping back to to centre back, and then we're going to have another conversation about should we bring Aubameyang back to the left? Yeah, I was going to say though, isn't there a point that I agree with all of that? Like, I mean, to honestly, honest with you, I think it's even deeper than, like, Arteta having the ability to fix it. To me, it seems like the club is just rotten to the core. Yes. Even this thing where they keep on getting, like, all these different kind of, like, guys who are meant to be the transfer guy and yeah. director of football, and now this relationship with Kia Jirachian and all this kind of mad stuff. Like, yeah. It just seems like the club is rotten to the absolute core. To oh, yeah. Where, soon there's going to be some kind of police investigations about corruption ongoing at Arsenal. <laughs> no, you no, you're you're totally right. Because if you if you think about it, we had <laughs> no if when 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 Wenger left, we had all these you know this new executive team, they've all gone. Yeah. You know, now you've got a and then a new executive team came in, they're all gone. The whole fact that 55 people uh got made redundant, they're all gone, Gonosaurus. He's gone. You know, all all these little things build up and build up, and yeah, it it does seem it does seem rotten. This whole yeah, Arsenal way, Marvel holding stuff is just all going to the wayside. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear about that thing where apparently they wanted Venya to be chairman or CEO or something, but he refused? Um, and this may have not even been like too too long ago, because of the way they treated him. Um, would you would you have him back in any sort of capacity? Uh, I would just rename the stadium, the Arsenal Wenger Stadium, and l- l- let him live his life. Yeah, I don't think he. To be honest with you, I, to me, like it would seem silly for him to take any kind of role. One, because the way he was treated, mm. even though part of that is his own fault, and two. Yeah. 
also because in terms of like it's always going to have a cloud over whoever's the manager at the time so it makes yeah. no sense it's kind of like having this omnip- omnipotent figure kind of hovering above you it makes no yeah. sense it's always going to undermine it I think one of the yeah. best thing you could do is get him in as a caretaker man to the end of the season but that just seems- <laughs> <laughs> and you can do that. I can't. I can't live yeah. with another with another Wenger out era. You can, can live You can know that you can basically be a lame duck, like in, in the Steve Bruce mode or something. Steve McLaren till there to the end of the season. Nah, oh. just bring in uh, Sam Allardyce. Nah, we're, he, we're, we're, we're in a, we're in a relegation battle. We need someone who knows how Harry's to get his team out of the relegation battle. Give me, give me Harry Redknapp. Give me Alan Pardew. Give me <laughs> Gary Megson. Just give me just anyone and get us out of, out of a relegation scrap. I'll, I'll, I'll take curbs. To be fair, to be fair though, like they might play more creative football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? at least they might play with a number ten. I, I, I was thinking yesterday about. I was trying to think of a joke about all the crosses Arsenal put in. And the Bernie goalkeeper is called Pope. And I was thinking for 90 minutes. There's it's, a joke in there somewhere. I just can't figure it out. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, I'm sorry, final question. Do you think the fact that Arsenal played midweek had anything to do with that performance? No, because the midweek team was a bunch of kids. No, but right. like that's what I'm that's my point. As in, they were too tired to play against Burnley and so he had to play the first team. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, it's, it's going to be a point Arteta has to trust his, his bunch of kids. Yeah, I think Ward Prowse, uh, not Ward Prowse, um, what's the guy's name? I wish we had Ward Prowse. Ward Rowe. Yeah, Smith Rowe. Yeah. Smith Rowe. Is it Smith Rowe? Yeah. Yeah, he looks really good. I think, um, again, Arsenal might just sort of no, 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 because what happened was on in the Europa League, all these guys like do a thing that Arteta hates, which is pass forward. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like punishing them all. He's like, how dare you have the teremity ter- to like dribble forward? I want sideways passes only. Yeah. Speaking of dribbling, yeah. Tottenham versus Palace. What the hell was that keeper doing with the cane shot? Did you see? Oh, it? allow him, man. He he made it up for it with like some of the best oh, cane you'll ever see. Did he see the save to the free kick? Yeah, oh, he, he did. I thought that would. At first, I thought it looked good, and I thought to myself, when I see the replay, it's not going to be that good. And actually, when I saw the replay, it was better than. It was better, really? Yeah. yeah um, you know what? A couple of things about Palace. Pal- Palace have got a like really solid team, actually. Going forward, that um, Eze guy looks really good, um, <clears throat> and uh, and Zaha is still like dying for a move, so he's putting in the work. I mean, he'll be so good at Arsenal or any of the teams, really. No, but um, what I like about Eze that he takes off uh, the workload from uh, Zaha. Yeah, Zaha has been crying out for for someone other than like Balassi. You know, Zaha needs needs a sidekick. And mm-hmm. but this Eze guy isn't just a winger, like his yeah. range of passing, his his set pieces. Really yeah, good. even really his hold up play and stuff. He he's gone under the radar. I mean, they've got a really good player there. <clears throat> um, and I thought that actual game, Palace were a bit unlucky. 
Uh, it could have gone either way, really, but they're putting a seriously solid performance and it was not, you know, it's not that they were lucky to get a point, actually. They they properly deserved it. Yeah, no, they, they did, they did. I think uh, Mourinho, his sort of reversion back to Mourinho tactics in that match, <clears throat> particularly, you know, mm. when they were 1-0 uh, up, he should have just mm. kept, easier said than done against Crystal Palace, but he should have just kept, kept his team, like, on the front foot. But, yeah. you know, they just just drop deeper and deeper and deeper, trying to soak up pressure. And, you know, they got undone. Do you know what else is interesting, though? I'd love to find out the stats about, like, those professional dirty little fouls, yeah? I guarantee you Tottenham will be top of the table for that by some way now. Head the of the... Huh? Head no, of I think he's overtaken. Man City have lost their mojo. Jose's got them Tottenham players, yeah? Man like Sissoko is behaving like um, Diego Costa, yeah? (laughs) Like, they actually got a properly, like, nasty streak. So much so that I felt like one of the Tottenham players was just going to stand in front of his own player when he wanted to take a free kick. It was just like autopilot. Let's just disrupt. Do you see what I'm saying? Tactical fouling is a horrible thing. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're, they're, like, they're not dumb, so they didn't do that. And I remember, actually... Arsenal Liverpool game beginning of the season, yeah. Jacker actually sought to waste time when Arsenal were losing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like it was that he was doing it on autopilot. It's that kind of thing. But again, it's another sign of like how Mourinho has changed the team. Tottenham were a soft touch for a long time, even under uh, Poch to a certain extent. I mean, not massively, but they were kind of they weren't a sort of. Um, a streetwise team. Uh, all right, let's just uh, quickly move on to Liverpool. Fulham battered us. Yeah. <laughs> they actually battered us. You know what? And I, this is even before this game. And I've said this a couple of times and I've been ridiculed. Scott Parker actually gets them playing nice sort of triangle football. It's just that they're shit going backwards. Yeah. Mm. And they're shit up front. Like that guy Cavalero, he couldn't hit a barn door. Yeah. Um, what about Richard Victor? Jacko in striker form. Huh? Yeah, exactly. So Jacko in striker form. And um, they actually outplayed us from the first minute. I mean, like, second half, we outplayed them. And it was kind of back to the walls. But, like, it was the impact of the fans, you know? Like, the first tackle that went in, and it was just, like, 2,000 fans, probably all sitting in the um, neutral venue. Yeah? Like, literally just shut the Liverpool team up. Um, and uh, yeah, they had a penalty, they had a penalty shout. The ref said no, it went to VAR. The ref looked at it, and it was actually not a penalty, like it was a clean tackle. So, um, that was reassuring, but it took like five minutes or four minutes to like to look at it. It was just, it was a bit weird, but um, <clears throat> and you know what, I have to say, I think. I didn't really agree with you guys before on how, when you guys described Curtis Jones as being really, really good. Imagine he was Liverpool's best player. He's really good. Like, he was Liverpool's, but like, he was actually dragging the team. You see that thing about trying to be a big game player, trying to impose yourself on the team? He was actually, he actually imposed himself on the team in that way. And he got a yellow card in maybe the first 20 minutes. Yeah. So you could actually, and he's 19. So you could worry about, him doing another dumb tackle or but he handled himself really well. He went on this crazy run at the end. 
where he should, probably should have passed to Mane, but he didn't. But um, but yeah, I mean that that's all I've got to say on it. Yusuf, do you have any sort of points to make? I think you're doing for him a bit of a time of disservice because I think we've all done for him a bit of a disservice because when the season started, they had like a week and a half turnaround from the playoff uh, final mm-hmm. and they brought players in really, really late. Yeah. And the players they did bring in, you know, Lookman, uh, the Swedish mm-hmm. centre-back, Jacobson, the other centre-back and particularly yeah. Ari- uh, Ariola. Um, mm. They've added like solidity to Fulham. Mm. Yeah, they've got a problem like in the number nine position, but I think with players like um, the guy scored against uh, Liverpool, was it Reed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, players like Lookman, even Caballero, Caballero, he's quite decent. You know, he's they're not going to be Wobbiers. But yeah. I think from where they were before the first four games of the season to where they are now with the with the improved players. Um I don't think it's a surprise that they sort of took Liverpool to the wire because looking at their results, you know, they beat Leicester, like comfortably beat Leicester. They mm. didn't get like overawed by City, and you know the games they've lost against like uh, Crystal Palace and Everton, they've lost by the odd goal, and it's the mm. odd goal because the other team has just better Premier League, sometimes world class quality. Mm. So I wasn't really surprised they that they they batted Liverpool, but um yeah, I mean like, I, I mean I I I think they played good football, but I was surprised if I'm honest. I genuinely feel that if the fans weren't there. Because I noticed it in the first couple of minutes, yeah, and it was just the atmosphere felt kind of different. <clears throat> yeah, but the um, atmosphere is at uh, Craven Cottage. That's like a family that's day out. Yeah. That's on that's on the yeah, Thames. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the most poshest football club in the world. Listen, ten months of no football will make even the uh, upper middle class um, <laughs> be, be be behaving like they're in their bare knuckle fight. Um, let's move on uh, really quickly to the Champions League draw. Anything to particularly call out from the Champions League draw, Yusuf? Yes. Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea. Damn you, damn you. So look forward to this match. This is the tie of the round for me. Um, oh, yeah, I, I really like Atletico this season, particularly with Jao Phoenix, who's gone up another level. And you have the element of like Luis Suarez, and you chuck in some um, uh, Diego Simeone. I I I think they this has a this has all the potential to be like I said the best tied around, but I think the dirtiest tied around because I think mm. Lampard was he sent his team out and he instructed him not to give Atletico like any inch, don't take any shit yeah. from Atletico. I'm gonna say though, do you think? Do you feel different, yeah? Because like, Atletico seems to have played this evolved style. It's like that's like Simeone. I don't know, like, yeah, it's like he's met a new woman and he started to dress nicely. Oh <laughs> man! You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh man! Non-binary. He started, wear, <laughs> he started to wear like cravats and like nice clothes, and before he was like a tramp. Like, you know does what? that change your thinking on it? <laughs> do you know? I think you're both right, yeah. But there's just one problem. So, They're gonna revert to type. Yeah, <laughs> do you think? They're gonna to revert to type. All the kicking, all the 
all, all the dirty play. He's probably, Jao Felix is probably not going to play. And although it looks like it's a tied around, it's going to probably be like a dour stalemate, yeah, which Atletico are going to win by the skin of their teeth. But the controversy around it is going to sort of make up for the lack of attractive football. You think? I always think well, as well, Chelsea, that the lack of a clinical strike will come back to hurt them. Because as good as Juru's been, my problem with Juru always been is like, as good as Juru is as a player, when you're in the highest, like, highest kind of like pressure environments in games, and you've got those kind of one chance games where like your striker has to put it away, Juru just doesn't have that ability. The same I feel with Tammy Abraham. Do you think that could be a problem? Um, it can be, particularly against the Atletico Madrid defence, where you know they might may just get one chance throughout the whole tie. Um, but Chelsea have, I think they have enough goal threats and just attacking threats from all over the pitch to hurt Atleti. Um, more, when... more importantly, they're solid at the back, or they can be solid at the back. Yeah, I think um, so. Matt, you said you raised a, an interesting kind of non-point when you said when you asked Yusuf whether he really thought that was the tie of the round. Mm. What do you think is the tie of the round? I mean, you've got like this boss of PSG, they always seem to kind of like have their battles, aren't they both in decline? But like, yeah, they're both kind of like in decline sort of teams. But you like, I don't know, you're always going to get up for like. The two kind of like, I mean, they are kind of two. I suppose Barca's traditional giant. PSG's kind of like the newcomer on the block. He's like always threatened, obviously got to their first Champions League final. Mm. But they haven't done anything. And I guess it's almost like the battle of Qatar as well, isn't it? Don't you guys find it so boring, this game? I'm I just, do. I'm literally just looking at the, the fixture on my phone and it's, it's just so boring. Barcelona versus PSG. I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be boring as well. I can't think of anything. Anything else. I'd rather watch the Man United versus Man City than <laughs> than this one because it's it's just going to be just yeah. boring. I, I think that's same. looking at all of the matches. I'd I that would be my least favorite to watch. That and Munchen Gladbach City. I mean, to me, it would be City and Munchen Gladbach. Here's, here's a question for you. Here's a question for you guys. On, are you guys bored of the Champions League yet? I am massively. massively. I, I am so bored of the Champions League. I have I make a point to not watch... Is that because Arsenal are not, are not in there? No, even when Arsenal are in the Champions League, I, I barely watch any group any group game fixtures. Uh, I only mm. get involved when, or even invested when uh, the quarterfinals are on because, you know, some of the best matches admittedly in football history have been the Champions League latter stages. But up to then, it's just so boring. It's the same, it's the same teams, the same players, almost the same narratives, um, and all inevitably always the same team wins it. Yeah, I'm hundred percent. Like, I've followed like that for a number of years, but I always thought part of the reason is because it's kind of like to me, it's like as you say, there's no teams, like no, there's no new teams winning it. But also for me, just like what we were talking about, just when we started like recording. There isn't any like an, an exceptional team. And, like, yeah. When there's no exceptional team, does it, it's not as interesting. But then it's like, okay, if there's no exceptional team, then at least you kind of feel like a plucky upstart or something like that. Yeah, when I when Liverpool and Spurs got to the final and look like Ajax could actually win it, that would have been really interesting. Like that would have been like 
and you get me 95 of Ajax get into a Champions League final and potentially winning it with like a young team kind of mostly homegrown players but that mm. doesn't happen either so it's kind of the same boring teams winning it in the last yeah. years, most of the because yeah. for, for every, every Ajax you have uh, you know Atlanta as well and then a couple of years back you had Dortmund going to the final then you had yeah, like Madiga reaching the semi-finals then you had like Villarreal you have all these like plucky little teams but yeah. they they just they just <laughs> Just get beaten by your Bayern Munich, your Real Madrid, your Barcelona's, and <sighs> yeah, but like it's. I think if you take Madrid out, like a good, the blame lays with or lies with Madrid for a good chunk of what you guys are saying. I think. Yeah, I agree. And as opposed to the other team, like Munich won it last year. Look how long they've been trying to win it before that. It's not that long, actually. Yeah, it's not that long. I suppose the whole Pep thing just kind of maybe adds a bit more to it. Uh, we won it the year before. The year before that, we lost in the Champions League. Uh, it, it, we lost to Madrid. Do, do you see what I mean? And Madrid that weren't doing sort of very well. Um, so I, I think a good chunk of that is actually Madrid and how annoyingly good they've been. But the, they um, won't though. Like, that's the huh? problem. Real Madrid won it three years in a row without being a great yeah. side. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's been like... So, for example, do you remember... There's, but there's been controversy. Do you remember the um, uh, Madrid Juventus game where, yeah. like, they shouldn't have, was it a penalty or something? Last minute penalty. Yeah, last minute penalty that shouldn't have been. Like, there's been stuff like that that's made it interesting. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's um, it's actually been that boring. I've, this year, though, I found it really boring. And that's because the fans have not been there. That. To me, it's just really hard to watch a a European game where like it's dark and stuff like that, and there's no fans, irrespective of whatever stadium it is. It just doesn't feel right. Like I'd even watch before, you know, some of those Turkish teams, just so you can hear like you know the hostile atmosphere. Back in the day, you might not even like um, I can't remember the name of the team that United played. Um, the Turkish team, but like even those games, you might think, "Oh God!" Or those games um, against the Ukrainian teams or whatever. Like they're not straightforward because you have to go far away. The team, the the fans are hostile. Like you just haven't had any of that this year, um, and so it does. What? No, no, that's it. And so it does seem a bit boring. Even more so because um, Real Madrid are going to win the Champions League again. <clears throat> I, I'm I'm looking at the last two results because before this week Real Madrid were in crisis, but they somehow topped their Champions League group and they beat Atletico Madrid. It's the Real Madrid muscle memory that will see them winning a 14th or 15th Champions League this season. Oh boy. I think it's going to be Ronaldo, and then it will just be like, oh, this is me greater than Messi, full stop sort of thing. But. Yeah. Sorry, Mac, you were going to say something? Yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. As much as it pains me to say, yeah, do you know part of the reason why the Champions League for me is a bit boring now? And it's going right. to sound, you're never going to believe this year. It's partly because United are not good anymore. <laughs> like, what, those, what does like, that mean? That, that's like, the only joy I take out of it. That, those Old Trafford like, nights, yeah, must have hate United. Like, there was a bit of, there used to be magic in those, like, Old Trafford Champions League nights or United, like this is like, it's a really good game, high tempo, energy, and United win. Like, like those are like when you think about like memories of Champions League, 
Like, Jones County United games, like, for example, like the UV gave you 99 or something. Do you get what I mean? Those are like a massive part of that like, Champions League memory. And like United just being crap. I'm sure it does play into it psychologically. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I feel like they've been good games until it's made up for that. <clears throat> um, as a matter of fact, it's what makes it good, yeah, an element of why it is good is like you get, and it sounds a bit sort of salty from my part, where you get the big teams that are failing, like PSG, yeah, and mm. and, and mainly because I, I never want them to win it, yeah. Yeah. I just I just don't like them. And and sort of United faltering and stuff like that. And so um but the the, the problem is like they've <clears throat> they've not won and then like you know Madrid have gone and won it four times. You see what I'm saying? Like no sort of smaller younger teams have really, really benefited. But um any other games to call out from those? Um any from your, from your perspective. Your perspective, um Liverpool Leipzig. I'm looking forward to this match to see what type of suit Nagelsmann is going to wear. Suit or hoodie? Nah, he's 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 going to wear a suit. He's going to wear like a, a skin tight uh, crocodile skin purple number. With some gears. <laughs> yeah, trust he's he's gonna he's gonna go well. This is um, this is what he does. He's going to be squatting from now till then to make sure his um, his 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 cheeks are peachy. Mac, I'm coming to you first with this. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to flag this in quite a general way and use this person as a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't really want to focus on this person's history or whatever. Okay. But I want to focus on the substance of the issue. Yeah. John Barnes has been getting hammered. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a black man. I'm not. Uh, anyway, carry on. John Barnes has been getting hammered yeah. Yeah, for uh, effectively saying that you know that there is more nuance to what the um, linesman was talking about. We need to kind of you know keep it ha- have some perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know you most of the time you're more likely than not to agree with John Barnes. Um, but I just wanted to check on this. And given that John Barnes is a man that's been racially abused for a very long time and has actually yeah. taken a lot of flack from, you know, minority groups for maybe not being as socially or conscious or, or consciously aware as he potentially should be or people want him to be. Like, yeah. now, now he's, bit, he's like, he's in a, between a rock and a hard place, but I, I personally feel like he's got a valid point. Yeah, I mean, John Barnes isn't really like. If I was going to pick the man I want to speak on racial issues, John Barnes isn't necessarily not going to be a man I'm going to have top on my list. Yeah, I know. And that's oh, why Matt, I can, can, can I ask why not John Barnes? Just John Barnes is in terms of like, he's a black man who he's never seen like, historically, there's different kinds of black people in it. He's the kind of black person that. Allegedly. John. No, it's not allegedly. This is not going to be libelous. No, I'm just trying to protect you. No, I don't need protecting me. <laughs> don't worry. Like. I've got the nuance in my terminology. He's a kind of black man that traditionally we kind of have seen his pronouncements would be the kind of person trying to keep the establishment happy, but not really trying to ruffle any feathers. 
So in that sense, he doesn't really necessarily have much credibility when speaking of racial issues, especially in terms of like, he's someone who like, he's been in the public eye for what, 40 years? And like most people, he's only really started talking, most of us to be fair, he's only started speaking about the issue really in any kind of like sustained way in the last five years or so. So it's kind of like, he doesn't really have like much racial credibility. Some people might even go as far as calling him Uncle Tom. Now yeah. obviously, that's his Which is unfair, right? Like given the fact that he was one of the people that would have been racially abused the most, being that black high pro profile player, for England, for Liverpool. Like, remember how many people support Liverpool and actually England, yeah? Just because John Barnes was there. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the irony. Yeah. Like, that's why this makes it a bit of a funny... That's why see, it makes it him I'd, a bit of a funny vehicle. I see. My, my thing is, yeah, whether it's unfair or not to call John Barnes or Uncle Tom, that's not really for me to answer, you know? That's, like, everyone's kind of perspective in terms of, like, how you see the world and how you yeah. view things. But I don't necessarily think the fact that he was like, if you want to call him a pioneer, or because he was one of the early people and he took a lot of racial abuse, I don't think that necessarily gives him, I don't think that necessarily means it's unfair to call him Uncle Tom. You couldn't be mm. someone who was like, who faced awful racist abuse and still be an Uncle Tom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. think necessarily that, that, like, that, that, that means that, that you lead on to that conclusion because he faced yeah. a lot of racism. Like, that could make you an Uncle Tom because almost like, you feel to go into that mode to protect yourself. Yeah, but that's yeah. not, I'm not really saying anything about. On this particular issue, I mean, I don't, I don't, none of us, I'm assuming, speak Romanian. So I don't really know if that's actually accurate. If that is a Romanian terminology or whatever, then that yeah. is a valid argument. But then yeah. what I think what um, Weber was trying to say, or no, what Denver Bar was saying is like, just a general point, why are you referring to a man as a black, as a black one? Yeah. Now, common sense would say, because it's obvious, that's the way to describe him. That's the way to distinguish him. You can yeah. say that as a valid point. Yeah. And like, if like what he said is a Romanian term and he's just referring to a black person, there is yeah. a sense of validity in that. But there's a bigger point in terms of like, when people talk about black people, like one thing that always used to irk me, yeah, when I used to watch football, yeah, in terms of like commentators, yeah, and this is, it's not a factually inaccurate statement, yeah, it's enough time when they talk about, for example, African players here, they'll call man the African. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like they'll yeah. say, by the African. They'll never say the European. Yeah, like, exactly. Always, and it's yeah. like, there's something psychological in that in terms of like, they're calling him African, it's a factually accurate statement. Mm. But there's some kind of like, that's not just a semantic point. There's some kind of psychological element to that, which to me, even though it's not because it's a factually accurate, there's yeah. some kind of pejorative element to that. Yeah. And I think that I can see Denver Bar's point in relation to that. It's the same kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, like, you know, but that term is also, like, I've heard, you know, references to the South American, to the... Do, do you see what I'm saying? So it's not just an African thing, but I, I agree with you, actually, on that specific point. I was thinking about this the other day. I can't remember. It was not football-related, but they referred to, like, an African. And it's just like, well, hold on a minute. How many different countries are in Africa? Like, would you ever really say a European in that sense. But anyway, Yusuf, what's your view on this? Um, what referee said was inexcusable because, again, we're going back to what Max said, who's quoting what Demba Barr said. Um, why are you calling him the black one? First of all, if a FIFA 
UEFA officials shouldn't be saying that. And that's sort Why? of... Because he's... Uh, I know UEFA is a horrible body, but he's a match official. He's he's the senior... He's a senior figure in... One of the senior figures in that match. He's meant to uphold the, the laws and rules of the game to refer to someone as the black one or any sort of uh, race distinguishing features. He, don't, he shouldn't be doing that. It's, you know, if in... If I, when I go to work and someone says, "Who's that guy?" I'm not going to go, "Oh, he's a black one or an Asian one." You know, what, I'm going. Why is there no Can I just go on? Go on. No. I was going to say this is my point. This is why I think I'm upset about this whole thing. Yeah, because I really get upset personally speaking when some when people are afraid to say the word black. Yeah. Yeah. When like I feel like there are potentially different layers to this and some of the layers might just be completely irrational for me, but I think it's perfectly fine to say uh, I'm talking about this black guy over here or no, this no, white the thing guy is, over here. I, I'm not afraid to use the term black because I'm talking to two black guys right now. That's not relevant. No, no, but it, if I was if I was at work, yeah, like this fourth official was at work. Yeah. And well, if I'm at work and someone says, you know, who's that guy? Yeah. And I might not know him. He may not be like a friend, but he may be a work colleague or someone in my work vicinity. I'm be like, yeah, he's, you know, his name is Mark. Yeah. Or if you don't know his name, uh, I'm going to distinguish him by somewhere else. What? His shoe size, his weight, his lack the, of the, hair. The, like, the, look, the guy, the guy sitting... around. No, 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 no. The guy sitting over there because he's the, the bold guy sitting over there or the guy with the nice socks. That guy, See, yeah, that's just pussyfooting around. And you know what? Yeah, this race relations stuff, this language stuff around race is already difficult. Yeah. And we shouldn't make it more difficult for people by feeling by making them feel that they can't say the word black or that they can't say the word white just when they're using it in a really pure factual type way. And actually that there's some unintended consequences there because you start to associate negativity with blackness. Do you see what I mean? That's already ingrained into the culture. Exactly. And that's why I've got a real problem with, like I was at work and, you know, somebody tried to describe me to someone else and like literally the only thing they could say is just like the, after a little while, they thought the most appropriate thing to say was, you know, the, the 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 bold rounded guy and it was just like why don't you just just <laughs> like the, everybody else is white <laughs> yeah like you could have just said you know the non-white guy but even saying that was a bit and there was no sort of hostility there was no issue like why did you feel that you were that just describing something so simple and so factual put you under so much stress. Do you see what I mean? Like, no, but if, if, so if you're coming in from a position of authority, say you're a manager, would you describe your the people you uh, work, who work under you by the color of their skin? No, because I'd know them. That's the thing. This guy was, he was essentially the match, one of the match managers. Yeah, he was a fourth official. He couldn't, he, he didn't know. Like, who, I'm, I'm not like, saying he, he, I'm not saying he, he has to know every single person on every single uh on the coaching team because there's like 10 of them but and how many of them were black well john barnes's picture said one okay 
But at least know who who these guys are. You, you guys meet before the match. They must meet you before the match. They they must have some sort of idea. You, you do your research. You, you just sort of you just sort of do you do your due diligence and you know. Yeah, but you know also, what you said. No, but also, no, but also, if, when the when the referee said to the man, um, who said that? Yeah, instead of saying the black one, why can't you just point and go him? Yeah, yeah why? That's ruder. No, just okay, yeah, not point, but go him exactly. or this guy, this guy. You know, yeah, Yusuf, let me just. I agree with you on one thing, and one thing is that it's a. This is a Champions League match. It's a UEFA official. Yeah. It's a it's a global sporting event, like really multicultural. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have a bit more sort of understanding, even if it's like Romanian language or any other language. Yeah, that 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 word for a lot of people, maybe Romanian or non-Romanian, or or definitely non-Romanian, there is you know there's some potential links and connotations to another two words. Yeah that could cause offence, right? There should be a higher level of sort of awareness, but that's as far as it goes, right? I think actually the point about, you know, oh, he definitely shouldn't have said black, like it's, it's really damaging and it's really concerning for me. So, you, so you're saying uh, everything Demba Bar said and all the players walking out was, was not warranted because of that? No, I think, I th- yeah, I think it wasn't. To be honest with you, I think this was a, but it's warranted in the sense that, and it's a bit shameful actually, like this guy just described somebody in his own language, you know, clumsily, and everybody walked out. But actually when Sterling and other people have been actually abused, yeah, the players didn't stick together, they didn't walk out. So, but they've done it now. I mean, like, so they've just used him as a scapegoat to actually do something that they should have done before. But, What's more concerning for me is that this is going to reinforce to people somehow, some way that blackness is associated with sort of negativity or like you can't speak about it or, you know, there's just something that's just like weird. Does, does that make sense, Matt? Yeah, it's funny though, because like, for example, like when I work or something, people want to describe me. They wouldn't really have a problem still. Like I've just heard, always heard them say like, um, you're the devastatingly handsome one. And everyone knows who they're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, on a level though, yeah, it's like, to me, I don't know, obviously he's Romanian, isn't it? But in the English context, it's this weird psychological thing of like, this attempted like idea of color blindness. So it's almost like, let's not say black because we don't see that he's black. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what, in the workplace, they're not going to say, don't do anything, just avoid saying black. Because yeah. we don't see him as black, we just see him as an individual. But yet, them same people, like them same women, when they see a black kid on the train, they hold their bag tighter. Do you know what I mean? So like, let, let's, let's not pretend that we don't have these kind of like ideas and thoughts. Let's be honest about it and have a discussion. Let's yeah. not pretend that like blackness isn't a concept or like that we're colorblind. Let's have a discussion about like the connotations associated with these words because of like the history around them and stuff. But this yeah. kind of thing where people are like, oh, let's not say black, it doesn't take us any further. Yeah, exactly. I mean? We're just exactly. like pretending, like, we're just pretending and like, oh, like, I can't be racist because the black person in my team at work, I didn't know them and I didn't describe them as black. So that means yeah. I cannot be racist. Do you get what I mean? 
nonsense. Like, but but even like, if you just flip that on its head, if I describe somebody as black, then I might be accused of racism. Like that to me shows a fundamental lack of understanding of racism. Yeah, 100%. Or, or what other people, black, Asian, whatever, white, LGBT, whatever might go through. And like, you're actually afraid to, you become actually afraid to engage with any of that stuff just because you're afraid of being called a racist. Do you see what I mean? Like that's yeah. it. Like it's so bad. And so when people are saying, well, they could have described him as, you know, the guy with the jogging bottoms or like, what, what, that is so dumb. Yeah. Like, Let's not be actually, around the bush, the person's black. Yeah, he's That's black. the most What's obvious wrong? thing to unless describe there's him. Something, unless there's something wrong, unless you want to say something shitty. Mm. But in this instance, the, the fourth official, sorry, the whole referee team, they're meant to be uh, the guys that run the rules on the match. They run the laws. They are the embodiment of the governing bodies of the of the football match, they should they shouldn't be using any sort of language other than quote unquote neutral language. But the way they talk to players, when players cuss them out, they don't cuss them out back. They just they remain calm, they remain placid, they remain neutral. Yeah, I but think this is this, not a cuss word. I know, no, but in in this situation, he just neutrality is is the key for this. He just should remain okay. neutral. And just done something other than calling black. I don't. I could be wrong about this. What's the What's the word for black in French? Yeah, it's, isn't it noir? noir? Yeah. yeah. Had he said the noir guy, yeah, w- would that have generated the same issue? I think it's the fact that the word negro is similar to the word negro, which is similar to another word, right? And that's where it's kind of. That's why it's morphed like that. If he said, you know, like, would, okay, let me ask you this question. Had he said the black guy in those exact words, would we be having this conversation? No. Of course not. Okay. So, like, it's about the word because it's similar to another word. And that's why I think, you know, John Barnes is, is right. But it's touched, it touches a nerve because even when you do start to unpack this discussion, People then come and say, actually, no, the word noir shouldn't be used. The word black shouldn't be used. And these are the reasons why. In in Spanish, the word black is negro. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which is which in English, you call some that's, that's pejorative in English. Exactly. In Spanish, negrito is used to describe sort of non-black people, but people were just black here, apparently. Any final thoughts on this, Yusuf? know my uh, race mutual friends <laughs> we move on to the final section it's uh, I don't want to sort of uh, make light of this but we do have to stand as um, any other business firstly I want to uh, spend a couple of minutes talking about Gerald Houllier. Um genuinely sad um, I'm not going to go into sort of all the stuff that everybody's putting out there. But I just want to say from my personal perspective, when he first joined, I actually didn't like him. Because, like, for some strange reason, I felt loyal to Roy Evans, even though God. he was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I was just, yeah, like, it was just, he was just like, what's this guy doing? Like, I don't care if we finish eighth every year. Yeah, like, uh-huh. who is this guy? Uh-huh. Like, Roy Evans is the man. He's there with the lads. He's part of the boot club. <laughs> And, and all of that sort of stuff, yeah, boot yeah. club. Oh, the boot room. 
boot yeah. room. Yeah, like it just felt wrong. But that just shows you how much of a rot Liverpool were in. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just like it was just too much of a change. And then the way they did it, it was like two managers, and I was just like, yeah, "This is just like this is just like polygamy in a sort of a corporate <laughs> footballing type sense." Even I knew that was wrong, and I was just like, "Why don't they just leave for Evans?" Like, that's really can... decisive talk to run in Liverpool at that time. <laughs> exactly, and then. Roy left and I was really upset. And actually, even when afterwards Roy did some interviews and he was just like, yeah, I kind of, in the end, I just kind of had to, I felt like I was pushed out and I just had to leave. And like, I still feel sorry for him, but it was it was massively needed. Like, You know why that was, you- though? Because uh, half the board wanted the whole boot room uh, feel yeah. and other half wanted uh, forward thinking progression. Yeah, so yeah, they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't decide. So I was like, let's have both of them as managers, and it was so weird. I just remember seeing him like on like doing the first like press fo- uh, photo, both holding a ball, with both like, shaking hands. I was like, huh? And then you see yeah. him in the dugout, and it's like, what? What? What is going on here? But yeah. I, I always used to think, like when Liverpool got Houdier, he was like Wenger light. Yeah, he was like Wenger light. Yeah. yeah. In terms of um, like the success and stuff, but he definitely like changed stuff. Like, you know, looking back on it, he was the one that eased Steven Gerrard in, molded him, developed um, Michael Owen really well. Uh, like, loves him. huh? Carragher loves him. Yeah, Car- like Carragher. Who was it against? I think it was against Birmingham, Worthington Cup final. Mm. Carragher's penalty <laughs> outrageous he's never touched a ball like that in any way shape or form ever since yeah like mm. most of his other you know I don't want to go into it because we could it, this definitely will be libelous yeah but like when you kind of look back and reflect he actually did a, like a really really good job we won stuff it was exciting like we at one point we had Heskey, Fowler and Owen do you know what I mean? That's like better than Suarez, Sterling, and Sturridge. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was exciting football. Um, there were some really big games and stuff. But uh, yeah, like w- when he first came in, I was I hated the guy basically. I you know really what I like? What I like about Julio? Because when Benitez won in two thousand five the Champions League, Julio has always been like, "Yeah, that was my team." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's he said always he... taking credit for that. Yeah, he said. Um, he also said if we didn't win the uh, UEFA Cup. Yeah, we, the, the, that team would never have won the Champions League. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it really, really sad. And the other thing is that his English, and I know this might sound really kind of Anglo-centric, like, was brilliant. He was a teacher in Liverpool, though. Yeah, like, brilliant, though. Like, well, better than most teacher. people in Liverpool. Like, no, he was a teacher in Liverpool, so he, his English should be brilliant. Brilliant. I don't know who like, they to me, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Maybe I've never forgiven him for teething the FA Cup from Arsenal in 2001. Oh. With a honcho. With a honcho with his hand oh, ball. God. Teeth. I never forget that. Teeth. But you know what? He's one of them guys to me. I find him a really, like, polarising figure. Mm-hmm. Like, he's one of, to me, he's one of them guys in terms of, like, I don't know, like, obviously he was a teacher, yeah? Mm. And he always had that kind of, like... Yeah. What's the word? Not necessarily... The, not just like... He was a stickler for some things. He's like almost like a patronizing kind of guy. Do you get what I mean? In the way he carried himself. 
Mm. And like, I can see why, like, he's one of them guys, like, I always feel he's like one of those, like, thinkers of football, isn't it? That's why he's the always what? doing that. Thinkers of football? Yeah, yeah. That's why he's doing stuff, like, always doing stuff like kind of technical roles and yeah, yeah, yeah. overseer. Do you get yeah. what I mean? I feel yeah. like Venga's like that as well. Venga also loves just like being downright and dirty in the changing room. No, but yeah. uh, Venga and Hune are like renowned Funny. as like the France, the French football intelligentsia. Yeah, and you they're know, also like buddies, buddies. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, RIP uh, Gerald Hune. I also want to talk about Dortmund and finally sacking Lucien Favre. It's yeah. about a year overdue. I'm I'm thinking they should bring in Pochettino. If not Pochettino, Hasenhutl. Okay, firstly, you've got a man crush on Hasenhutl. I think yeah. everyone has a man crush on Hasenhutl. A lot of men have a man crush on Hasenhutl. Secondly, I think Poch is going to wait until Tuchel's um, contract runs out because PSG are not going to sack him. Austerity and all of that. Um, it runs out this season. And thirdly, I think Lucien Favre isn't probably necessarily the problem. Maybe they should have actually sold Sancho, yeah, and rebuilt. A bit of hindsight is always great, isn't it? I, I don't think they need a rebuild because uh, if Sancho isn't playing and he hasn't had the best season, but if he isn't playing, they've got players like Gio Reyna who could step mm. up. And that boy's 17 years old and he's absolutely killing it. But they got yeah. play him, you know, still got Brand, they got Royce, they got Hazard, they've got this uh sixteen. But defensively guy. they're they're dodgy. That's what they're I mean. They're proper about. dodgy in the back. But I'm yeah. I'm 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 glad he's gone because I think he was he was literally holding them back from just reaching their potential. Mm. It's Potch to be German. Potch. Yeah. It, it took Potch eleven years to speak English, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe still. Obviously, yeah, no, I think French. Poch is eyeing up a big one. Um, he'll probably wait until Solskjaer loses again. Then he'll go into Sky Sports News to like be a pundit just to remind everybody that he's still around, sort of thing. Um, but Tuchel's contract expires in the summer, and they're not renewing it. Or they're not talking about renewing it. So that that'll be a big, a big vacancy. Um, yeah, Hassan Hutz will be a good shout actually, or even maybe Nagelsmann. Like, you could argue, it's debatable whether that's a step up, but I was saying it's not a sideways move, really. Mm. Or maybe waiting to get the Bayern job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Finally, some matches during midweek. Are we going to do another podcast? Um, let's see what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday, and let's have another chat. Yeah, because. Oh, um... Because frankly, I don't want to talk to you guys again. Okay, cool. Um, any other business? I'm gonna because Mac really wants this to be work like, so um, let's just finish up. Any other business? Uh, to conclude, I have no other business. In fact, it's BAU. Okay, that's not what you would say, Yusuf. Oh, sorry, I I, I don't know how you how you corporate guys do it. So I don't know I. I don't know how you corporate black guys do it. <laughs> oh, look, you're just feeling a bit edgy. He's using the word black. Yeah, like yo. That was Nang. See you next time. <laughs>